Welcome to the Score and I podcast, where we bring you the best Irish league discussion each week. To find out about future shows, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Score and I. Now it's time for this week's program. This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. And Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to the Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Welcome along to The Score, live on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM with me, Michael Clark, And me, Colin Hopkins. On the show today, our special guest is Bangor's very own Ben Roy. He'll be talking to us in just a moment's time. We're also running three polls on the show today because, weather permitting, there are two matches happening in the Danske Bank Premiership. Poll one, Friday Night Football, Balamina Linfield. Who wins? Will it be the Sky Blues, the Belfast Blues or a draw? Poll 2, match 2, Newry City and Ards. Who's going to get the share of the spoils there? Will it be Newry? Will it be Ards? Or do you think it's going to be a draw? And because it could go right down to the wire and it's topsy-turvy and everyone seems to be taking their turns at going top, who do you think will end up with the big prize in the Premiership? Will it be Liverpool or Manchester City? Very surprised that that's quite one-sided so far in our Twitter poll. The score in I is where you can head over and have your say. But as I said, every week we have a special guest from the Irish League on the programme and hopefully joining us on the line now is Bangers Ben Roy. Ben, good afternoon. Hi there, Michael. It's great to have you on the show. Um, and I'm sure you're delighted to be on a goal-scoring week for yourself. Yeah, I've done well this week. Um yeah, I must have three goals there, so um, we've been playing well, so and lots of boys have been scoring loads of goals, so glad to get involved. Bangor, I think it's a, a club that you know many people are looking at and going, far too big to be outside of the Irish League, and it looks like you're giving it a really good go to get back. Yeah, we're, we're playing really well, and um, we were unlucky to miss out just last year. Um, I think we missed out by a point or a goal difference or something to, to Glebe Rangers. Um, and this year we, we tried to make sure we didn't slip up. I think we slipped up too too much at the start of the season, um, and then we've only dropped um, two points in the league um, all year. We drew to Ballon Money back in October, November time, and we've won the rest of our games, so we've been flying. When you step outside of the sort of Irish league pyramid, as it were, you don't get the same headlines and the same attention. Um, you've played in the Premiership, obviously. D- does it feel different? Is there less pressure, or 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 is it still the same? Uh, no, I suppose it's a different type of pressure. I think um, every week we, we you have to go out and win the game when you're playing for when you're playing for Bangor in, in the league we're in. Um, we have we know what we have to do. We have to get the club out of the league. Um, whatever happened before happened before and the, the new board has come in and we've got a got a mandate just to get out and that's what we've tried to do and that brings with it its own pressure every week um, I suppose different pressure when I played at Carrick and, and, and Ards you were, you were maybe fighting to stay up and um, it was a different type of pressure when you're trying to just get points but um, definitely the, the way we're playing at the minute we, we need to win games and um, definitely brings its own its own type of pressure but we're enjoying it and we're we're, we're taking the wins off, and, and um, there's not long left, so we just need to keep it going. 
I'm going to come on to your teammates because I was having a look at the squad and it's a, it's a very good squad, I have to say, you know, and it's no surprise you're in the position you're in. But, you know, Ben, people would potentially say when you signed for Bangor, what, what's what's Ben Roy doing going there? He's far too good for that league. Well, some some might say that, um, some might not. Um, yeah, it was when I was at, uh, I went back to Carrick for for a second stint and I, I played I played most of the games under Davy McElinden and then um, he, he had just told me there's other... He was bringing players in, and you might need to change a few things up. And um, my wife was pregnant at the time as well, so um, it, and I live in Bangor, so it was around the corner. I knew a load of the boys there as well, so um, I just thought we'll go there and try and get Bangor back into the Irish League. And um, it's been going well so far. The pitch is brilliant as well. I love playing on that every week. It's a proper proper surface, and, and we do play good football. And um, people that have been watching, been to watch us, can can vouch for that too. Well, that's an interesting point because a lot of people have had their say on the surface. Why do you enjoy playing on it? Well, we have people that can play football, that can can pass the ball about. It's quick. But boys that play further forward, who are, who are light and fast, and um, it suits it suits our game and it suits boys that can that can pass the ball around. Um, we also have others in the team who can't pass the ball. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm sure you're about to name names, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm not going to name names, but. Um, yeah, there's a there's a load of points that that it suits, and I think that's why it's helped us um, so much this season. How how enjoyable is football for you again at the moment? Because you've already alluded to you know being part of a a team that's struggling for Premiership survival. That's one sort of pressure. But when you're winning games and there's a feel good factor, and you're 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 pushing for a title as opposed to trying to stay in a league, maybe it get it's a bit more enjoyable. <clears throat> yeah, it's enjoyable, but it, there is pressure with it as well. Um, a few years ago at Carrick, we um, the, we won the we won the treble, and um, it was a case. It was the same thing. We were because we were in so many cup competitions. You were constantly playing catch up on your league games, and you had to play. We played every every Tuesday for I think eight weeks, eight nine weeks, um, and those games were tough. You know, in the championship, the teams are the teams are a lot are a lot closer in, in standard as well. Um, but yeah, it, it does bring with some pressure, and, and but we are we are enjoying it. There's a real good group there. The manager's got us all um, sort of focused on the same same idea, and um, yeah, no, we're really enjoying it. And uh, there's a great sort of group of players, as you mentioned earlier, older a lot of older players and some younger players. There's boys in the team's twenty year twenty years younger than Mike Holiday playing <laughs> <laughs> playing on our team. I was wondering how long that was going to take. <laughs> Yeah, but, it's, but it's, yeah. when you've got experience and youth, obviously it's a it's a good blend. I mean, I looking at that, I'm 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 looking at it and seeing Ryan Arthur's getting himself even a fair few goals. And I mean, I remember playing in seven aside tournaments in Carrick on a Sunday, and Ryan Arthur he only has one penalty. I'm surprised anyone ever lets him take one, but he's okay with headers too. He's probably more suited to heading the ball. Um, so <laughs> surprised he played on the three G down in Carrick there. Um, but yeah, no, Ryan's obviously chipped in as well, and again, somebody who's played at um, at a higher level, with a load of those um, guys in our team. So yeah, no, it's looking good. We just need to keep it going here. For anyone that has maybe lost sight of where you know this squad is at, give us a rundown of some of your key players this season. I mean, I know, I know, you want to to take a bit of the glory, Ben, but but share it round a bit. Who who else no, on, who else is good on there? No, we, we do have a good squad, and. Um, at the back with uh, I'm sure you know Tommy Ray that's played, that's played in the Irish League. Um, 
he also got um, in the middle uh, Mark Cooling, who's, who's played a few games as well in the Irish League. Um, Ethan Boyan up front, Jeremy McMullen. Lots of boys that um, who, who know how to play at a higher level and, and have obviously done the business there as well. Recently brought in Matty Burrows there as well with Michael up front. Um, uh, Big Ben Arthurs has scored nearly 30 goals this season. Um, so there's plenty of people um, chipping in who have, who have been there and done it. Um, so yeah, no, there's a, there's a real good squad and there's a good group together. So, And it'll probably be a, a competition forever. Can anyone ever get a better goal than that when Matty famously scored that, that back heel? Does he still talk about it? I'm just wondering, does he every now and again reflect on it? Yeah, I was sitting on the bench there last week and he was talking about the whole experience of going to Zurich or wherever it was, Geneva. And Yeah, um, yeah. no, obviously unbelievable and he says that he, well, he would say that um, Messi and Ronaldo and Mourinho and all that they all thought uh, his goal was the best. But um, yeah, so no, he, he does. Yes, he does still talk about it. <laughs> nearly eight or nine years on, whatever it is. <laughs> but uh, no, good for to have somebody like that in, in the squad as well. Considering the, the younger lads are um, sort of trying to get up to the the Premier League level, which um, the club's obviously trying to do as well. And I think it's great to have him involved in local football because it was, you know, it was a, sh- it was a shame to lose him when we did. So uh, to hear the name back and, and playing again, so uh, th- that can only be a positive thing. Uh, the scoreline during the week, I think, grabbed a lot of attention. It was, it reminded me of the old Man United Arsenal and the eight-two jokes were popping out then. But uh, I felt a bit sorry for Cookstown. I'm sure you didn't. But was it? Did everything just go your way? Well, yeah, we, we missed actually a few chances before that and um, before we started. Uh, before we um, got a couple of goals on the, on the score sheet, that was I think it was four one at half time, but it honestly could have been um, eight or nine. Um, and thankfully the manager let us know that at half time. So um, we went out and uh, tried to do what he what he asked, and then we conceded the goal after eight seconds. So it was four two, and then after that we just scored. We got a bit more comfortable, and we scored a couple of um, really good goals. Um, but yeah, it was a game we're supposed to win there, bottom of the league. We're, we're sort of challenging the at the top so um, but we did play well considering the conditions and um, we're, we're looking at the goal difference as well because um, it's pretty tight at the top so um, we're trying to just improve that as well so Wednesday night will have, will have helped quite a bit How different a, a challenge as a player is that league in comparison to say the Championship or the Premier Intermediate League I mean d- does the whole style does the whole feel uh, compare at all or is it, is it completely different? No, it is a bit different. Um, um, the, the championships are really good level of football, and you look at some of the clubs in the in the intermediate league as well. They're all a lot of big clubs there. Um, I suppose the teams in our league are. Um, I don't know. It's hard to compare. I never played amateur league football, but uh, maybe I don't know how some of the teams in in our league would even fare with with teams in in one A or the or certainly not the Premier Amateur because there's some really good sides in that league. So. Um, it is it is tough, but like you do have to turn up every week and you do have to do the business, and um, we've been doing that consistently. But you, you can't get caught out as we were in October and Balamini came and we drew with them. And even two weeks ago, we went down to Coke. Um, I mean, we scored in the last five minutes to win 1 0. Um, so you do have to go to these different places, um, and it is tough to, to grind out results sometimes. Talk to me about your manager because. It, 
obviously there's a bit of stability at the club now, which Bangor fans have been longing for for a number of years. Um, but what does the manager bring and uh, how would you describe him to, to Bangor fans who are maybe listening today and they have one opinion of him. What's he like to play for? Oh, I, I think he's brilliant. Um, he is very... Like, he, he, he can definitely get the best out of his players and um, everybody is, is right behind what, he, what he's doing and, and the way he... Um, looks after us at a uh, training and, and match days and it's all very professional as a club now with Bangor and when when um when they brought Hugh in I think that was part of their part of their thinking as well. Hugh brought two good coaches as well. Um so everything's done right and I think he, he can come across as a wee bit um certainly um loud and uh <laughs> um like uh, a big character I'll say. Um not somebody you'd want to cross as as a player. So um but all the boys have, have, have utmost respect for him and we go out and we just want to do the business and he gets us going every Saturday before a game. So um, he's obviously doing, doing what he needs to do and we're trying to do likewise. Have you had many quiet, shy managers though, in fairness? Um, no, not really. Just, no, not really. I suppose snap, um, snap <laughs> they all know how to go there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone has they all have their way. So... Um, I started off with Jeff Spears and Crusaders Reserves, so uh, this was it was a tone set from the off there. Jeff was Jeff was brilliant. He was uh, he's a similar type of character. I mean, looking looking back in your career, Ben, what age are you now? Uh, Thirty. You're thirty now, right? So, I mean, we're not going to call you a veteran just yet. There's a few more years left in the legs, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> just hear your voice. Or go, please don't bring up my age. Anymore. Well, Michael, Michael, Michael's another nine years on me, so. Um, I'll not be playing to 39, that's for sure, but yeah. Yeah, well, uh, that would be some going, to be fair. Now, um, just looking at it, you know, at, at this stage in your career, you've already achieved an awful lot. You, you touched upon um, that treble success with Carrick Rangers. I mean, is that, would you say, one of the best achievements, or what would you say is one of your favourite moments as a footballer thus far? Yeah, I think um, that, season, that season was was unbelievable, really. Just the, the run-in, I mentioned the Tuesday night games, we won a couple of those last minute um, to get up, and then obviously won the intermediate cup again at the end of the season. That was that was brilliant. The, even the season that we then went into the Premier League, we stayed up on the very last minute. We were two one down and one three two on the uh, Ball of Mallard. Miguel scored an overhead kick. Miguel Chan scored an overhead kick in the ninety third minute. That was just ridiculous. Um, so those were those were great. I think. Um, and even when I when I first started, I even uh, started. I was at Crusaders and um, was involved in the European games with with Fulham. That was uh, that was a great achievement, I think, as well, and just a great experience all around to be involved. Um, and travelling over to Craven Cottage and and all that that brought. Um, so yeah, and obviously probably the best time was probably at, at Dundee. I played really well there and um, had three great seasons. So bit bit of a, a variation clubs as well, but. Um, yeah, a few highlights probably. Well, there's definitely plenty there, and there's a potential promotion ahead of you here as well. It's looking pretty yeah. good. Um, but you know, let's go back to that Carrick team for a minute because I saw there's been obviously a lot of people talking about you know some of the best ever teams in the championship, and, and some Lauren fans are saying this current Lauren crop could be the best ever team to come through the the championship. But that Carrick Rangers side, and I know people say I'm biased because everyone knows I'm a Carrick Rangers fan, okay? Yeah. And I'll say it again just in case somebody doesn't think I admit to it in case they haven't listened before. But um, but that that achievement, the the treble and the way it was done. Um, 
I, I personally would say it, it, it's in the argument. I mean, just how good was that squad, in your opinion, compared to what else you've played with? Yeah, definitely. Definitely right up there. Um, you probably tell even from after we the season we stayed up, a lot of the guys, well, a lot of the guys left the team and they all went to, they all went to big clubs as well. People went to, like, uh, Aaron Trainer went to Korean, McCluskey went to uh, Glen Allen, I think. Um, Harmony the captain went to Glen Torn. Arzo, we, Aaron Smith went to Glen Torn. Um, so there was a real, there was a real good bond there, and I think um, other teams in the league recognised that by sort of stealing all our players. Um, but yeah, I think that season was pretty good. Obviously, the Stephen's Sons Cup final on Christmas morning was was amazing. Um, I'd only been to one before. I went the year before to watch, um, and thought thought that was good. I'd like to be involved in that. So, and then the next year we won it. Um, and then, as I said, like after January, because the pitch was so bad. Um, we had a load of games in hand, and because we were successful in the cups, we had we had those games in hand as well. So the end of the season was was, was brilliant. We were playing. I think it was every it was definitely every Tuesday from about mid February, but um, we I think we went on to maybe the, the middle of May. I can't remember when the the intermediate cup final was, but it was late. So um, great squad of players. Guy Haver, the manager, was was brilliant to play for. It was a pity he left at the same time as well. Um, but no, that was a really good time. Absolutely loved my time there. And uh, yeah, I mean, having Paul Heatley in the team, I suppose, didn't hurt either. No, no, he was he was already at uh, he was already at Crusaders at the time. This was 2014, 2015. Oh, of course it was. Yes. Yeah, he was already away, so we had to play against him. Yeah, but um, no, that that season as well. The season we got up into the Premier League, we had some great results. We beat Crusaders at home when they were going for the league uh, towards the end of the season. Um, and good results against against the bigger sort of away to Glen Torn as well. We didn't get beat there, um, so yeah, we did. It was a brilliant season and really well run with with, with the the board of Carrick and Michael Hughes who was behind it all, and uh, Gary Everton and, and Steve Mills who who were who were unreal to pl- to play for for a couple of years. How do you get yourself in a position to in terms of because the, the commitment we was. Speaking about this last week with Elliot Morrison, and you know, people sometimes maybe don't understand the the pressures on local footballers in terms of you have a regular job, and then you know, in your circumstance, you could be playing two matches a week plus training plus whatever else. How do you fit it all in? I mean, how does that actually work? That most people just go home at five o'clock. Yeah, well, um, no, it is difficult. There's, there is a real balance to find, and <clears throat> what's good with, um, with 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 the manager at the minute, the Sinky. He he recognises that as well. So if, if people are training too much, or if people have played too many games, or can't make training, he he's on your side and he'll look after you that way. So that's good. And it will be tough coming up now. I think we actually do have Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday for the for probably three weeks to catch up some games. But the balance the balance is 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 hard enough. Um, I work I work in the in the city centre there, so uh, not too not too bad getting down to to Bangor for training. But it's different though in this league. When you have to play, if you're playing away games in um, Limavady or or Balamone, we've been up to Eve a couple of times midweek, which hasn't been ideal. Um, we've won the games, but um, it is it is obviously tough going midweek, coming back late at night, you're home at midnight, and then work the next day, um, and the baby up during the night. So <laughs> it is uh, it is tight enough, but no, it's uh, I'm used to it now, and um, I think all the, all the guys in our team are. Um, they know what they have to do um, to 
to continue what we're doing for the rest of the season and continue to make those commitments. See, I think it's so impressive, you know, and, and hopefully that brings it home. Bangor fans who ha- have had plenty to sing about, and rightly so, this season, and they're they're looking at a side going so well. And then to, to think about it in those practical terms that you're doing your job, you're playing two, potentially up to three times a week now to the end of the season. The the fact that, you know, you have a, a very young child at home. I mean, what are we talking, eight months old, am I right? Something, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 eight months old. You know, that's a lot of sleepless nights as well. I'm sort of wondering, how, how do you even have the energy to go bombing down the touchline on any match? Well, yeah, it's well, I love it. So, um, and I think um, it's the same for us. guys, you have to love it to, to be able to commit to it that much. And um, we're all we're all sort of looking at it the same way. Um, and you ask any footballer, like they just love playing matches. So, if it means playing matches instead of training, then great. Um, we'll do that. And especially playing on, on on our pitches, we have been recently. It's just it's great. Just turn up and um, score a few goals, play good football, and win the match. So you've talked about training and good training. Then who who at Bangor is a good trainer? Who's the teacher's pet, and who wouldn't be just as good? Oh, um, just uh, I'm not sure now. Um, best trainer, I probably have to put myself up there. Um, and maybe maybe Jack Watson, who plays in the midfield, he is he is everywhere. Um, even in training, he's flying into tackles and um, really doesn't give anybody a second. Um, worst trainer, there's there's probably a list of them. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. <clears throat> well, people like if you think of Matty Burrows, he doesn't really move at all um, in training, and then he'll, he'll, he'll put a few away in the, in the shooting practice. Um, Jared McMullen just really looks lazy. Um, then it comes to a comes to a Saturday, it comes to a Tuesday night game. He, he's he's not making people and <clears throat> creating creating goals everywhere. So yeah. Um, yeah, maybe maybe stick with those two for now. And obviously, the, as I mentioned, Ryan Arthur, the 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 keep ball games that we play at training don't obviously don't really suit him. So um, he wouldn't be top of the list either. But no, there's definitely a mix of uh, mix of skills there, a mix of uh, commitment. Um, yeah, I know. I, I love that. Um, what is your? Do you have like a, a ritual when you win? Do you do you like? Is it back to the clubhouse or how do you celebrate a good success with those guys? Do you have a, a little sort of team tradition? Um, wouldn't say team tradition. I think um, the, the the committee that run our fines and um, everything else. Uh, there's obviously a long list of fines every Saturday and every. If, whatever you've forgotten for training uh, but one of those is that everybody has to go upstairs and, and sort of socialise after in terms of have a coke have a beer um, and have something to eat in the club and I think that's uh, that, that's important that, that's, that that keeps going and um, it sort of keeps everyone together after a game everyone will stay for half an hour and then and then head on um, for all the we do that at, at all the home games Um and a couple of boys would would have would have stayed in the club as well for a couple of beers after, um, after the game. I'm obviously not one of those, but there's a few of them that like to go into the social club and and sit there for a while after a game. <laughs> See, th- that is the aspect of football in this country that one one of my favourite parts of it. And I'm not talking about the casual drinking. Um, the actual fact that you go in and you, you talk to the fans and stuff. You know, in what other in what other league? Would you get to have a chat with the players? Um, you, you probably have had some very interesting conversations in, in various clubhouses. Yeah. yeah. No, no, absolutely. I think um, that's one thing I noticed when certainly when you play in the in, in the Premier League anyway. I think actually when we were at Clark, we still did that. 
and um, we still Gaz certainly we made an effort to go into the go into the club anyway. Um, sit around, have a beer, have a have a soft drink, whatever, and sit and talk to the fans or if you ever turned up. Um, and I think it's important to to do that. These people come out and um, pay their pay their money. Something you know, ten pound a Saturday afternoon to watch rubbish sometimes, and um, but they keep coming out and. Uh, the club and the, the players now have, a, especially the players, have a responsibility. I think to, to ensure that they continue to interact and and, and do these things. Um, but yeah, so I, that's always been a always been a thing at any club that I've been at. Um, it's been important to do that, and I think it's right. Yeah, it's something that I think if you want the community to come out and support the club, the club has to give back to the community. So being seen that yeah. here are the players here, you know, they're real people, they'll sit down, they'll have a chat with you, they'll maybe have a wee drink, um, and it, it just creates that sort of bond and affinity with the club because you get that, where else would I get it? Or, you know, our players care about us, which uh, yeah. you, you don't get if you go over to England, and that's no disrespect to Premier League footballers because the the abuse they get and the, the way they're treated and stuff as well, you understand the separation. But but here there's there's something that you just can't replicate. No, absolutely. I think um, I think the fans know understand. Uh, we mentioned earlier on the commitment of, of training and everything else. I think fans understand that, and um, when, when they see you're giving 100, percent and then you can come in after the game, and if you've had an absolute stinker, but um, you can come in and talk about it and move on. I think I think fans appreciate that, and uh, that's certainly something. That, certainly, the Bangor fans have been right behind us all season. We've had a couple of in different results in the cups, um, which um, which are disappointing because we obviously wanted to progress in the in the Steel and Sons, the Irish Cup, and the Intermediate, but. Um, I think in, in general everyone understands what we're trying to do and um, and, and I suppose the commitment shown by the players When it comes to fines are there any other interesting or kind of quirky ones? Yeah well um, Ethan Boylan runs the, runs the fine list and um, I just paid 12 quid last week for uh, I think I keep thinking they're getting made up but things like you forget your uh, shower gel you forget your towel or even flip-flops it is now in, in the shower which is a bit over the top but um, or you're late which is which is I think customer in most clubs you're late you're fine yeah. um, you forget a one piece of, of training kit you're fine you kick the ball out of the, out of the ground at, at training is a fine um, descent to the referee is a fiver so I'm I'm absolutely skint there. It's, it happens <laughs> most weeks. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Ethan Ethan runs that, and uh, yeah, I think there must there's a, I think there's a quarter pot of uh, of money in uh, going now. So, <laughs> so in, I would imagine then if there's you know if a bit of item of clothing goes missing, you're getting a fine. I'd imagine sometimes people might uh, play wee tricks on each other. Well, yeah, there is there is a bit of that, and even um, I suppose the other one was if you leave anything behind, so. Um, if you leave a shin guard or whatever, that gets put onto the onto the WhatsApp group then, and then uh, you're obviously going to find against you there. But no, there hasn't been um, there hasn't been deep heat in in the boxer shorts or in, or in <laughs> socks or anything like that. There hasn't been anything like that yet this year. But um, at Dundella, there was there was a bit of that going around. So um, yeah, Dundella, we had to do a, an ice bath, so you got fined as well if you didn't do the ice bath. So um, are they not yeah. brutal? Yeah, they're horrible. Yeah, so it uh, it was great though because well, it wasn't great, but after training you would have had say four or five showers facing each other, and then at the end of the the line of those showers there was the the the, the tin ice bath, 
um, two in together at a time, and then you get out and get into the shower with big marks nodding at the end, holding the stopwatch for oh. 45 seconds to a minute while you uh, while you sit there and um, uh, yeah, and you're freezing. Yeah. Oh, fair play. I don't know how people put their bodies through that. I mean, I'd, I'd... well, you had no choice. If he was at the end of the few stand there was stopwatch. You had to get in, and everybody got in. Nobody, nobody didn't get in. No matter what, no matter how cold it was outside, and even if you weren't warmed up, you still had to get in. So, but that's a Dundella tradition, I think. I one of the coldest I've ever been at a football ground. I remember being at Donegal Celtic uh, Lisburn Distillery, I think it was actually, and I remember being freezing. And it was there's a picture of it, and I think it's me, Mark McIntosh, Stephen Linney, a couple of others sitting in that stand, and it's snowing. And I'm just thinking, I couldn't imagine after say that day if you know if if there had been a tradition for those yeah. players to, to run into an ice bath but but no matter rain, hail, sleet, snow whatever, you were in there were you? Yeah it was every Saturday, every home game obviously and every um, every Thursday night after training because we used to train at the club so um, yeah I Does it help or? <laughs> well I, I think it's I don't know even know if it's scientifically proven but it, it was in, in, in Snapple's eyes but I do recall one, one time somebody didn't have a towel um, trained didn't have a towel and then said they were they were going home without a shower or a bath and, and Snapples made them get it made them get in. Um and just get back into their clothes again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah. But that was a Dundell tradition which I'm pretty sure is still going. And uh, I'm just hoping and I'm hoping here that Hugh isn't listening and thinking that's actually fantastic. Let's no, bring that we in. Bring that. We don't need to bring that in, no. Definitely not. <laughs> Doesn't sound like you miss it, Ben anyway. Uh, just before I let no. you go, uh you're back in action again tomorrow. Uh, yep, uh, cup game tomorrow. So, um, Cookstown Youth, I think it is tomorrow. So, um, obviously the focus is on the league. We've we've three games next week: Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and I think again the week after that. Um, but he's managed to put a big enough squad together for us to try and continue on in these cups. We're in a final of one and the quarter final of another. Um, obviously tomorrow. So, we just want to keep the run going. Um, keep, keep ticking off the games and hopefully um, get this league sealed up. And that that's the number one target, is it? Get get up and, and, and keep pushing on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're not too sure at the minute. Well, I'm not anyway what the, what the story is with um, the other leagues in terms of um, getting promotion. I think I think there was to be a playoff against another, a team from another league, the Mid-Ulster League maybe, but um, I'm not sure whether people have either not applied for licences or, or too far down the league. We're not sure, but... Um, it's in our hands to, to win this league and we can just I suppose, look after ourselves. Um, and we still have, there's two teams here who would probably um, be up with us to get promoted and that would be uh, Glebe Rangers and St. James's. So we still have to play them both. We've beaten them both already this season. We've beat Glebe four times. So um, we just want to do that a fifth time and then um, hopefully wrap up, wrap up the league. But a uh, big week next week. Yeah, massive week, and uh, I think as as far as things go, you would you would avoid having to play a playoff if Straban Athletic and, and Hanover win their respective leagues because Straban don't have the facilities to be promoted and Hanover uh, haven't applied. So obviously, if if somebody else wins one of those leagues, then there'll be different permutations and stuff. But you're in the driving yeah. seat, as it were. So uh, keep chalking off those results, and uh, your fate will be in your own hands. Uh, ben, great talking to you. No worries. Thanks very much, Michael.
There you go, Bangers Ben Roy. They're pushing for promotion in the driver's seat. They've got a cup game tomorrow and it uh, looks like three matches a week for the next couple of weeks. Uh, here, where else would you get it? And, uh, well, hopefully we'll be seeing them back in the Irish League very soon indeed. The Score with Michael Clark. Love this part of the show, it's Where's Your Head Up, where we look at the weird and wonderful things that have happened in the world of sport over the last week or so, and if we can't figure them out, well, then we simply make fun of them. Colin Hopkins, where would you like to start? I'll have to put my own club under the bus here, won't I? Uh, Chelsea, during the week, of course, are playing in the Europa League quarterfinals when they're taking on Slavia Prague. And of course, they tweeted out during the week about tickets being on sale, and they've mis-typed uh, it up around to say that there were now Sparter Prague tickets on general sale. So they're quickly pulled up by the correct team to say, hold on, this is not correct. So I'm taking it from there. So yeah, yeah, these things happen. It does. Uh, Sparta Prague's tweet, Hi guys at Chelsea FC, we completely understand you're confused since we are the most famous and most successful club from Prague, but this time you play against Slavia. Sorry, sad face. <laughs> Not bad. That's that's some good Twitter. Two kicks in the one tweet there, to be honest, making sure that uh, they're obviously that Sparta or Slavia know that they're the most successful team and having a wee dig at Chelsea at the same time, but there you go. Is it just a bad week for Chelsea in general in that, OK, you got a good result, finally the manager did what all the fans wanted him to do forever anyway, which was play the good young players that want to be getting game time instead of the players that want away. But in the sense that Spurs have opened up what is quite possibly the best football stadium in the world, is is that hard as a Chelsea fan to take that everybody is saying, wow, the new White Hart Lane, miles better than Stamford Bridge, miles better than anywhere else, what a ground. Not the slightest, to be honest. They're going to be in depth for the next 10 years trying to pay it back, I suspect. So Spurs on the pitch could struggle big time, to be honest. We'll see. It's a lovely stadium. I'm not disputing it for one second. It looks absolutely superb. Uh, I did find it quite ironic earlier in the week for their big big opening night after so many months they got a total crowd of 59,215 Arsenal just a couple of days previously got 59,869 so Arsenal more supporters same ground but you know Spurs still still playing second fiddle in North London Arsenal but you see the thing here is they've just expanded it out you know so now they're capable of growing and becoming bigger the, the thing I found interesting actually this week uh, was that their manager says the club need to have bigger ambitions, the fans need to dream bigger, think bigger. And I was wondering, was he saying, I'm I'm pretty much bigger than Spurs now. I'm a I'm an elite manager, you're a medium club, you need to match my ambitions. Who's to say at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's certainly going to be an interesting sort of next few years for everybody at Spurs uh, as to where they actually go as a club. I mean, we haven't seen the trophy cabinet at the, the new stadium yet. I'm not sure if there's going to be one, but we shall soon see. I mean, I'd rather success on the pitch than a big fancy stadium which which time will tell can they fill it out with 62,000 every game I have my doubts Spurs uh, according to an article published by the BBC made a world record profit of £113 million after tax last season uh, despite the cost of the new stadium so it looks like they're making some money off it despite it well they're doing okay £113 million it's a decent enough profit nobody's going to complain about that it's half a player in the in the, today's current market but um yeah, we'll, we'll soon see I, if the stadium holds it. I really want to go there now because I've, the media suite looks like an airport. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. I have, have to, you seen I do it? have to say it looks absolutely amazing, but 
Um, I mean, the whole stadium has to be saying the superb. I, I found it quite strange with the fact that everybody's thing, everybody's talking about these sort of new beer pulling things where you just set your glass on it and it fills it up. I thought that was very uh, very high tech, but why not? Why at the, the major point of conversation? I just don't know. But I love the the, the retractable pitch and so forth. I think that is a fantastic idea. And the fact they have the one underneath all lined up for American football and they can hold concerts and stuff together. Fair plays to whoever's designed it all out. And it does look absolutely superb. Um, elsewhere in where's your head at so let's should we keep it with stadiums just for a moment Man City struggling to shift tickets for the FA Cup semi-final against Brighton only 25,000 tickets sold this is Manchester City who are going for a quadruple yeah it's uh, tickets generally I don't know what the issue's been of late City are certainly struggling for some reason only 25,000 tickets so I think they were making a big issue today that one of their players I think it was Sterling maybe has given away 500 tickets to Children in need, so to speak, or something like that, sort of idea. So they were old, to he's the bringing his old school. Yeah, I That's think. What it is, yeah, yeah he, he's bringing hundreds of students from uh, his old school along, which I think is a lovely thing to do. Um, so fair play to him, but it would be good if Man City had more supporters to actually support them. Like an FA Cup semi-final. Why on earth is it all? Oh no! Do you know what? I I personally think they're going. We're just going to wait till we get to the final. Well, could be the case. Then they're still in the competition for all four, all four trophies this season. The mega card, the FA Cup, is one of the minor ones left. So, the FA Cup. That's sad. I think if that's if that's what we're getting to now, where people aren't wanting to go. We've had this debate before, to be honest. And you know, unfortunately, this is the way it is going. And this this season's FA Cup, much as it's nice for the underdogs. I mean, the fact that you've only got really City, only only the big team really left in it. I think that's sort of going to have a negative sort of effect in terms of. You know the whole sort of competition from here on in. But tickets generally have been a bit strange. City are obviously struggling. Chelsea during the week didn't sell their entire uh, stadium out for the first time this season. A lot of people were saying it's to do with Sarri and people protest. I just don't know if that's a lot of nonsense at all. I suspect Brighton at home midweeks maybe not the the biggest fixture they're going to have this season to be honest. You know, and and then obviously in general tickets with the likes of film supporters complain about the price of their tickets this season. Uh, they've been doing protests and so forth outside the ground. So, so there's a lot of talk in around sort of the the cost of football and so forth at the moment. Yeah, this is time for football bodies. Whilst the FA are going through a bit of a facelift, they don't want to be the football association, the FA anymore, the football association, because you know you've got the Irish football association, the Scottish football association, the German football association. Why can't they just be the English football association? So they've kind of recognised that they don't look good, and they want to they want to change that. So in that spirit, if they want to be seen as a as a more modern, forward-thinking organisation, why not say, well, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to have a cut-off point for general ticket sales, and then if there's a surplus, we're going to start offering them to local schools, and we're going to give something back. And there might not be Man City and Brighton fans, but kids from maybe underprivileged uh, communities in and around the London area can go to Wembley, can watch a, fi- uh, a semi-final, and actually get access to football in a time when so many are being priced out of the sport. Let's get kids into it. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Uh, we've talked about this before once again on the show, about the fact that Wembley stage in both semi-finals. I, for one, am a big advocate against that. I think the semi-finals should be staged at the West Old Trafford, whether it's uh, Anfield, whether it's Villa Park, whatever the case may be. There's plenty of decent stadiums, and you would sell them out a lot quicker than you would try to sell sort of, you know, 70,000, 80,000 at Wembley for an FA Cup semi-final effect on It is crazy. Um, speaking of finals, when you win a final, you win a trophy, and that's no different in rugby. Westport ladies um, enjoyed their post-match celebrations in the Women's Cup final a bit too much. 
they broke it. They broke the cup. Uh, it snapped in half. A, a wonderful uh, tweet went out on the 31st of March to show the team on a pylon on the pitch all celebrating. By the way, one girl underneath, if you actually zoom in, is being crushed. There's always <laughs> okay. someone. Remember that in a pylon there is always someone at the bottom, I think, is is the second point of the story. The first point, however, is that uh, they, they've basically shaken the top half of the trophy off and it's, it's snapped in half and it's lying upside down on the turf. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> have you ever have you ever dropped or broken a trophy? Have I ever personally dropped or broken a trophy? Um I don't think so. I can remember instance if you actually look at some of the Irish League trophies, some of them are a bit battered and bruised to be honest with you, over the course of time. I'm not sure if our players have ever done it, but certainly um there's definitely a lot of dents in certainly the Irish League and the Irish Cup. Yeah, our old friend the Gibson Cup had a bit of a slanty fella at the top yeah, of it for a while, do you remember? Correct, uh, indeed. The little footballer that stands perched at the top, he was uh what was he? He was kind of diagonal. <laughs> he was diving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, a very, very modern take on it. Well yeah, done, though. Yeah. I think they've uh, since fixed that. But anyway, that was uh, pretty good. What else goes into where's your head at this week? Well, I, know, I know you want to talk about, obviously, the racist sort of issue and so forth. Yeah. Which is something which is, although we're talking about it you know, t- uh, today, obviously, as part of where's your head at, it's obviously a very serious undertone to this as well, to be honest. And had quite a bad incident there where... Italy during the week. I'm going to give you some details on that one. Yeah, um, the Leonardo Bonucci statement actually has annoyed me more. So, in case you've missed this, Juventus Cagliari, uh, there was racist abuse against Mozzie Ken of Juventus. He went over and did a celebration, and there was a furore afterwards about it and all the rest of it. And people saying, should he be making any gestures towards the crowd? Should he be doing anything? What? And somehow, again, the victim of a racist attack is the one being judged for their actions. What, are we, in 2019, serious? Are we serious? And then, what happens? We get his teammate who comes out and says, yeah, the crowd were wrong, he was wrong, everyone's wrong, let's move on. Your teammate, who needs enemies <laughs> with friends, friends like that? And Bonucci had a backlash. Raheem Sterling actually was one of the people on social media who was very vocal about it and we've seen the racial abuse he's suffered uh, in uh, international matches with England and indeed sadly for his club as well Um, and fair play to him for speaking out about it all of a sudden Bonucci then says oh let's put out a someone's written this for me statement that's my opinion I don't know if that's true but it it smacks of PR have had a go at trying to redeem the situation with the whole obviously I totally condemn any act of racism in sport and I personally it just felt so insincere. And even if it's what he if it was what he meant, why didn't he say it in the heat of the moment when you're really cross? I know sometimes you don't always say what you mean, but but you don't say the opposite. I don't think you do. I think he said what he meant at the time, and it's an endemic problem in Italian football in particular that we see racist incidents like this, and we still see a time when uh, Silvio Berlusconi was referring to Balotelli when he was at AC Milan as their little N and he thought that was affectionate there is a problem still in Italy with racism and there is elsewhere too There, you know, and, and we've seen that clearly there's, there's a problem in Britain with racism as well it, it, it infuriates me Danny Rose has done a piece in uh, one of the papers talking about he, he actually can't wait to see the back of football over it because it's just ruining his, his time playing he can't enjoy football whilst this is going on and whilst it's happening to other professionals who are being ridiculed for the colour of their skin and I don't know if he really 
can't wait to quit, but I think he's trying to get across the point that it's so bad that it, it, it does sometimes make you wonder. But what I object to today isn't just that it's going on, it's that some newspapers are picking up on one quote that he said, and it was, they're getting fined what I would spend on a night out. In what, like, a, oh, black guys and they're and flashing their cash? What's it matter if he spent... It's his money. He's making the point that it's pff, it's a pittance. And, you know, is it breaking news today? As we sit here, is it breaking news this afternoon The Premier League footballers get paid more than me and you? No, it isn't. So if he spends a couple grand on a Saturday night in a nightclub where he's allowed to be after a game... I don't actually care. Who would be offended by that, really? How soft are we? The problem, not what some papers are doing, which is trying to highlight black man spends money, how dare he? The problem is actually that racist abuse is still being allowed and is still being softly dealt with. I'm not saying I have all the answers, but my God, some of the solutions are pathetic. Pathetic. Thank you. That's the rant over today. It's hard to see what the solution is to this. As you say, it's not just sort of in Italy. We've seen it obviously Montenegro against England sort of last week and so forth. We've seen a lot of even select instances sort of over sort of, you know, obviously in the UK. We've even seen it in other sports as well happening from time to time. It's Is it getting worse or is it just a matter of it's being reported more? I, I just don't know what the answer to that one is, but it's certainly, I just don't know what the solution is. I mean, do you, do you, do you, you know, Hit the clubs hard at the end of the day. What the, what are the clubs meant to do? I know is obviously you can't control all the supporters. You let fifty thousand and you only get ten or fifteen people. You know deciding they want to hurt races abuse. What do you do? You ban them and then there's another ten the next week or something. Like that, you know, and it's a very very hard thing to solve. Sadly, it, it starts with the clubs putting out the right messages. Mm-hmm. So if you are Bonucci, you don't come out and say, "Yeah, it's his fault as well." No, hundred percent right. You come out and you say. The next time there is racist abuse at one of my teammates, we're walking off the pitch. Carlo Ancelotti asked for this to happen in a game when he was manager of Inter Milan and there was that going on as well. And there was four announcements over the Tannoy system about the racist abuse before he was able to kind of go, can we just go off the pitch? And they said, no, 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 we'll get it sorted, we'll get it sorted. I do think that if that's going on, a game should be delayed and the person should be found there and then and kicked out and if it's a whole section abandon the game abandon the game and that club then plays their next game behind closed doors and I I know that sounds severe but you know what something has to be done I don't think docking points is actually the right thing to do it's very hard to prove you know what's stopping somebody going in and impersonate I'm going to pretend to be their fan and I'm going to get them this will be good come on we go and conspire to get the rivals docked points and whatever Sadly, people do think that way. I think that the solution is in giving some control back. In a week where you know people have been upset about goal celebrations and players goading people in the old firm and 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 that, and I'm not implying racial or sectarian connotations. There, I'm talking about just winding up the opponent to, to provoke a reaction or people getting upset that a, a celebration in front of certain fans could cause a reaction. You know, we we should have firm perspective that the big problem here is that we're not doing enough to tackle what is going on. And the clubs aren't being strong enough at times coming out and condemning these things. And they're, oh, some mindless idiots. Well, if it keeps going on, we can't just keep saying it's a few idiots, can we? Really? No, we can't at the end of the day. But it's, it's a societal problem, to be honest, as much as anything. And as I said, not just limited to one or two places. It seems right to be right across Europe. 
unfortunately some other countries don't seem to, seem to treat it as serious as, as others and it just goes on and on and on and it's, it's a very very hard thing to you know sort of call a solution you could say obviously in football you maybe have solutions but outside of football there's, there's still a lot going on as well to be honest you know there, there is there is um, okay that's I feel better getting that <laughs> off my chest but it and I'm aware that it's two white guys talking about racism as well, but for goodness sake, people, please catch a grip. Um, I absolutely love what I saw from South Korea. Their captain, Lee Nam Young, in the hockey final. Have you seen this in the in Malaysia? Yes, I've seen the goal. Fantastic. The, the Aslan Shah Cup. Uh, Aslan made me think of music Im- immediately. I was thinking as- Aslan. Ah, the band, yes, don't okay, that? right, okay. I was like, don't turn showing, around. Yeah, showing your age now. Um... More of me singing in a minute, actually. No, but please no. Have you seen... You've seen it? Yes, um, I've seen, seen it. The, Fantastic. The in India with a... I think it's hockey's answer to a rainbow flick. Right, OK. It's not the best way you could describe it. A little drag, a little flick over the head of the keeper. Yeah, and the keeper's going, what? The keeper's going, what? <laughs> Off the line, into the net, and, uh, and South Korea win. Yeah. It, it's brilliant. I haven't seen anything like that in hockey. No, that's the first time I've seen it as well, to be honest. I didn't even know how you would actually do that in hockey. I haven't played hockey as a youngster. I would have no idea how to even... Uh, consider getting the ball into that sort of level and then sort of finishing the back of that. Fantastic finish. Oh, it was absolutely amazing. Do you know what else was amazing? Villarreal Barcelona. Like four, four each. Did, you, did you watch that? I didn't see the game, I have to I, say. No. I watched Man United's absolute shower of dross against Wolves. Yeah. And, um, Wolves are a good side. And uh, then after that, I thought, what can I do? I'll see what's on the TV. And I went, oh yeah, La Liga's on terrestrial television. I forgot. And I sat and I watched Villarreal against Barcelona. It was 2-2. When I turned on, 3-2, 4-2 to Villarreal. Santi Gazzorla, by the way, played an amazing game. Right, he, was okay. in- he was incredible. And um, Barcelona, 4-2 down. Dying embers of the game. Messi free kick, edge of the box. He come on as a sub. Well, what are they going to do from here? And he they need him to score. Bang, post the stump free kick. You know, went off the inside of the post. Amazing. 4-3. Oh, they're probably not done enough. Stoppage time. Corner comes all the way through, gets a little touch on, and Suarez at the edge of the box, volleys it through a defender's legs, past the keeper, 4-4. Man United have to play them in the Champions League. Oh dear. Could be interesting. It could be. Have the wheels came off for Ollie? Do we reckon at Manchester United? I no, mean, no. Started off in sixth, and it was all that big talk. He, how he was going to get them up, and where at the moment? They're back yeah. in sixth. No, I know. I think I don't think the wheels have come off. I do think that he's just struggling with... I think he has one squad that he's happy with and as soon as you get illness or injuries you start to see it a team that isn't really up to it um scott mctominay was manchester united's best player midweek some say that's an indictment of where the club are i actually think that the problem was romelu lukaku misses a, a tap in of a header early in the game he misses a chance from about 10 yards at an angle where he can't hit the target and yet he's coaching mctominay get into position get out of my way do this do that takes the ball off him after mctominay had already scored his first goal of the game and i'm thinking this is probably a bad time to give advice, positional <laughs> advice, to the one person who's actually trying. And then what happened to Man United was really they didn't want to have Fred in midfield, but they didn't have Herrera. So it seemed to be that they couldn't figure out what to do. Pogba was playing higher, then he was playing deep, and McTominay had to seem... He was the one that was moved every time to accommodate whatever tactical change happened, which to me was a brain-dead idea when he was the only one looking like scoring. That might not have been his job, 
but it was what was happening. So if you've got a guy likely to score, don't take him away from the penalty area. But that's what happened. They moved him back. Rashford had missed the game with a bug. That didn't help either. Then Lukaku, who hadn't played well, was taken off for Martial, who I know he's coming back from an injury, but honestly, people with two broken legs would have moved faster. And it was just... The whole thing was a it was a bit of a train wreck. But Wolves are very good, very smart. And Nuno Espirito Santo earned their three points. They, they're a very well-drilled team. Very impressive Wolves this season, I have to say. You know, yeah. for a side of come from the Championship last year and they played so well and getting such really good results against the entire top six, it's been first class and fair play to them. He's a, he's a good manager. I really like Espirito Santo. I, I like uh, Wolves. I've always had a soft spot for them. And... Um, it's a shame they've had to do so well against Man United. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Soft spot up about two weeks ago, and that not so much soft now, you know. But yeah, so fair play. They've, they've done really, really well. First season, I can see if next season they can build on that again. There's work and take. And I'm going to say this: neither of our sides are getting top four. You don't think so? I don't think so. I think it'll be Arsenal, Spurs. I do. Uh-huh. I think it's a North London three and four now. Whatever way around it falls, it's it's been strange to be honest. I mean, it's actually kept it quite interesting, you know, because obviously the the top two have well went well clear, and that's an interesting bout in itself. I know we're probably going to talk about that later on when the polls come around, but uh, certainly not those those places for the top four. Uh, it's certainly going to be interesting going right to the, the last game, I would think. Okay, so I said I was going to just sing once, right? Oh, do I have to? Uh, yes, because I want to I want to try and convey my reaction to David Price winning via disqualification after he was bitten <laughs> by Cash Alley. So okay, go for it. <coughs> <coughs> Silly as he, cash bit of fighter. Dumb as hell, as you can tell, obviously. Disqualified, disgraced, and banned. It's all gotten quite out of hand. And now he's out a fair few grand. That's Cash Alley. Uh, was, that was alright, was it? Oh dear, you're sure a man of, you're a man of many talents. Maybe singing is not one of them, Michael. <laughs> you don't think you don't think Disney or the West End are going to come calling? Mm, not in any big hurry. Hurry, to be honest. <clears> I'm just know. clearing my throat again. I should have done that beforehand. <clears throat> that was the problem. I didn't clear my throat beforehand. I'm not mm. used to singing on the big stage. <laughs> don't well, know how uh, Catherine uh, Jenkins does it. It was certainly interesting. Don't be asked me to ever follow that up, to be honest, because it won't be happening. Uh, but that's 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 the story of Cash Ali. Silly as he, he, he bit a fighter, and. What a dopey thing to do. Stupid, absolutely daft. I've seen this a few times in, in sport and it's well it's a disgusting thing to happen first of all, but why you know people think they can do it and get away with it? Absolute madness. Madness altogether. Can I just say, Belfast Giants, Elite League Champions, congratulations. Yep. It's a where's your head at? Because how did it happen? It's a it's a beautiful, it's a fantastic story. I was sitting on Twitter, refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. The first ever Giants game I ever went to was them beating Coventry uh, a few years ago. Okay. And I never thought I'd be in a position where on a Sunday I'm sitting in my house going, Come on, Coventry! Come on! Hold on, Coventry! Because the, the way it worked out was as long as Cardiff Devils didn't pick up a point, I didn't get a draw at least, the Giants were going to be champions. Mm-hmm. They'd done as much as they could. They slipped up a couple of weeks ago and we all thought, oh, it's probably maybe just gone beyond their grasp. But it somehow conspired to be Coventry all Coventry have to do is win which was a fairly big ask and they were two up and they got pegged back and they, they had a chance to make a three and didn't take it and you're going oh no it's not happening 
and then they score right at the death. They make it three and send everyone into pandemonium. And there was a great video of a Giants fan, um, yeah, Ross, that. I think his name was, he seemed, yeah. celebrating on the beach. He ran out of his house, ran down the beach and tripped into the sand. And I thought, we've all been that guy. Yeah. When there's, a mo- there's always a moment in sport where you do something mental. Like, you, you, we all know a guy that's jumped into a lake or has decided to just rip his clothes off and go running. Or just something, something nuts because of sport and it's made you so happy. And I loved seeing that video during the week. Yeah, it looked very, very well. Well done to the Giants, as you said. They're obviously on track now for a, a Grand Slam. Just have to win the playoffs now, and that'll be the Grand Slam for the season. So, not sure when playoffs weekend is, but that's uh, remarkable to achieve that, to be they, They've done so, so well. So, fair play to the Belfast Giants. And have we have we said well done to Balna Mallard enough? Well done to Balna Mallard, too. Yep, very much so. I mean, championship side in the final of the Irish Cup. Absolutely amazing. You know, so they've done well. They've, they've got results against you know top uh, Premiership sides along the way, and fair play to been in the final. It's it's been a pretty good week or two for sport. You know what? Every week's a good week for sport. You know that. <laughs> you know that by now. Thank you for listening to the Score NI podcast with me, Michael Clark. We're back live with the whole show on Lisburn's ninety-eight FM and Bangor FM on Friday from one PM. Or you can subscribe to our podcast today to listen back to the first hour each week at your convenience. And in the meantime, keep in touch via our Facebook and Twitter feeds. We hope you can join us for the next episode.